Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I am your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, organizational strategist, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging thought leader, public speaker, author, the list goes on, multi-hyphenated. Everyone, I'm so pleased today to have my guest. I'm going to let her spend some time sharing with you her background, and then we're just going to chit-chat. You know how this goes. We just have a conversation, and you're just sitting in listening, right? Imagine you're in a coffee shop, and you're overhearing our conversation, but you want to take some notes because there may be some good things that you can apply and take away, which I hope will be some tools that you can add to your to your own tool chest. So today we have Tiffany Hauser. Tiffany, I'm going to pass the mic to you and let you formally introduce yourself to everyone. Thank you, Tana. And hello, everyone. My name is Tiffany Hauser, and I am an executive coach, a leadership facilitator and trainer. And I founded my company Evolve a few years ago out of uh, just listening to my clients. Uh, I never thought I'd be a leadership trainer, facilitator, but as their coach, they started bringing me in and, and that's how it happened. And this year, uh, depending when you're watching or listening to the show, 2023, uh, I created Self-Worth Advantage, which uh, is our new framework and approach that we use with our clients, uh, whether they are hiring us privately or uh, we are being hired through a company which takes a look at that tricky imposter that lives inside of all of us, not some of us, mm-hmm. all of us. And, you know, we also take a look, this framework also takes a look at breaking down that archaic executive presence and the notion of we need to look or show up or act a certain way to be considered a leader or an executive. And so that whole framework of self-worth advantage, uh, which the solution is in the title. Yes. (laughs) Um, Addresses for uh, not only leaders, but organizations that are looking to create uh, a more diverse, inclusive, a culture of belonging and a culture of agility, collaboration, and just moving things forward. Perfect. And with that, what problem in the world are you solving today? Yeah, you know, like I said, with uh, self-worth advantage, it was, um, again, just like my company, it wasn't anything. I was like, what could we do? What should we do? What's next for us? It just came from uh, all of my clients, but I didn't. it didn't really click until this year. And one of the things that I, I'm so grateful about is that people are talking about the way they feel. Mm-hmm. And so we're not just, you know, feeling our feelings in our own in introspective uh, or internalized way, people are now starting to talk about it. And it makes sense given what we're all up against in and out of the workplace. I mean, you know, just given what's going on around the world, it's it's evoking a lot of feelings and emotions and should I, shouldn't I, um, how do I feel, where do I stand? And and some people, you know, that that's a lot. That's yeah, a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so When we came up with the self-worth advantage, it was because, you know, the first few of the new clients I worked with this year that I coached, um, they said it straight out. I feel like an imposter. And these clients were being hired in to new organizations. So they weren't new to leadership. They're all senior leaders, either president, vice president, CXO. And they just weren't trusting themselves or there was some sort of insecurity brewing in there for some reason. And, you know, 
after I think it was the third client who said this to me. And I mean, these are like fortune 500 companies aren't, mm -hmm. you know, because everyone thinks, oh, if you're just starting a company or it's a small company, maybe, or your first time being a leader. And, you know, that's why I said earlier that imposter is inside of all of us, because even outside of the workplace, we've all had moments of, <laughs> uh, do I fit in? Mm -hmm. Am I? Am I smart enough, experienced enough, seasoned enough? And we start making up all these stories about ourselves. So this approach and the work we uh, created this year is supporting leaders and we will be supporting people outside of leadership, but this is our core focus where we're gonna launch uh, this um, framework, if you will, to really be able to stay grounded in your self-worth, to know no matter what is happening or what has happened, that has nothing to do with who you are as a person, who you are as a human being. And it is a neutral event. So when there's failure or we're walking into a room and we're the presenter or, you know, it's our meeting and we don't feel prepared or we're running a meeting and someone asks us a question, we're like, I have no idea yep. that the imposter comes out and, and it's okay to not know everything. So again, the self-worth advantage is about knowing your value, knowing your worth, and also knowing you do not need to, or, and you also don't have all the answers to everything, especially when it comes to the workplace. That's why you, you work with a team. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're in an enterprise organization, there are multiple teams. You don't know everything about accounting, marketing, product mm -hmm. development, IT, you know, HR, legal, you don't know all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when people ask you questions, the imposter does not get to come out. If you don't have the answer, you just become honest. And that doesn't mean anything is wrong or bad about you because you don't have the answer. And so that's the, the current issue that uh, we are addressing um, in the world today. Right. And a lot of that tracks with my own experience um, as a leader, as well as my own experience as a coach. I think a lot of the issues you discussed are things that I too have been working with um, different leaders on. And, um, you know, primarily the, the people I work with are women. So do you have a specific demographic that you primarily work with or is it across the board? I mean, I've worked with men as well, but for whatever reason, the majority of my clients have been women. Yeah, it's interesting. The majority of mine recently have been men. Mm. And so, you know, and even the the statistics are over 80%. I think it's about 83% of leaders in America feel this way. They feel like an imposter or insecure, then they don't trust themselves in these moments. And so that's that's what started to like shock me. Right. Because here was my misinterpretation or my stereotype. I believe that if you were a CXO in a Fortune 500 company, or you were a founder of a hyper growth company, you know, you're in your series A, your series B, that you had your stuff together. Yeah. You're, you're on top of the world. You're like cooking with gas. <laughs> and, and I didn't realize that they too are in these moments that, and, and, and that's the key word that I remind my clients and anyone who goes through this body of work is that it is just a moment. Mm -hmm. It's not the, the, the uh, permanent state of who you are. It's not in your identity. It's these moments. 
And these moments are either because you're in something new, something new's happened. Oh, haven't been here before. I haven't felt this way before, or things are changing. So what, what it was today, it's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's not. And so you're constantly, you know, in an experience of agility or flexibility or evolving. Yes. Yes. <laughs> resilience. I know. We the name of your come, company. <laughs> yeah. I picked that name for a reason. Good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a mix of people and, mm. and that's where, you know, one of the things I was sharing with somebody earlier this month, no, it's just the beginning of the month earlier, um, was that most of the people I coach because I am their coach, of course, they're sharing things with, I'm a confidant to them. Mm -hmm. And because of the way I set up our relationship, it's confidential and, and it is, you know, almost bearing your soul. If you need that, sure. it's not required, but if you need that, I can hold that for you. And so one of the things I also do, which I I now can say I'm proud of, which is weird if I didn't do this work myself, because saying I'm proud of myself, it would not feel, <laughs> right. it wouldn't feel like aligned um, with my, the older versions of me is that I bring myself to these sessions too, the one-on-one -on -one sessions. And sometimes in a group session, if I feel it'll be valuable, I don't just throw my, my insert myself into things for no reason, but if it will right. add value, I will. But 100% in these one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions with my private clients. And the first thing I'll let them know is like, me too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like a phony, right. a fake, or... You know, even just the the simplest things in the world, going to a party, 90% of the parties I go to, if I don't know the host, I'm sitting there in agony for about the first 10, 15 minutes. Like, where do I go? Do I eat? Do I take my shoes off? Are we hanging? Are, like, what are we mm -hmm. doing here? I don't know where to go. And, and before I took myself through this body of work, I used to think like, oh my God, these people are smarter than me. Their house is fancier than me. I would mm -hmm. throw all these stories onto myself, which would be me compromising my own self-worth and hiding all my authenticity because then very old versions of me would start performing. Mm -hmm. I would start like just trying to conform and fit in. And that's that executive presence piece. You know, if we bring this back into the workplace that a lot of people do because they think they have to, right. or they're coached into it oh, well, let's work on your executive presence. Um, so yeah, so that's like a roundabout way of saying I work with a lot of different people. It's men and women alike. Yeah, and as you were talking, I couldn't help but think of the show Billions. I don't know if you watched it or not. 100%. Okay, so, you know, they have this executive performance coach, right? And she's coaching these billionaires, um, men, who, you know, on the outside looking in, have it all together. They're billionaires. They never have to worry about money for the rest of their lives, but they still have imposter syndrome. They still have areas where they don't feel confident in what they're doing. They question themselves. Um, they have self-doubt, right? And, and so when I'm watching that, I'm watching it through the lens of her as a coach as well to say, yeah, every single person have has these issues regardless of how much money you have, what your title is, you know, how big or small your company is like all of those things. I have them too. I call them little Tana. And so little Tana just kind of <laughs> speaks to me sometimes because yep. she lacks confidence and she's insecure and, mm -hmm. you know, she's awkward and she's an introvert. And, 
And those things, you know, come up depending on the situation or those moments, as you said, that I too experienced. So the same, I'll let my clients know, like, here are some of the things that I've experienced. Here's how I kind of walk myself through it. You know, here's some of the strategies I've put into place. And, you know, I talked to them about how to learn how to own their power, their truth, their healing, their worth, and ultimately their destiny. Like they all kind of come together, but mm -hmm. you have to do that foundational work. One of the things I'm wondering, Tiffany, is do you see a difference with now this younger generation coming into the workforce, right? So everyone's talking about the younger Gen Y and Gen Z or Gen Alpha, whatever they want to call them now, with the leaders trying to navigate those relationships and learning how to build new leadership skills as a result of what this next generation of workforce is looking for from leaders? That is such a great question and a great area to look at because part of this work, I flip that, I reverse that, and I coach the people leaders and the HR leaders mm -hmm. because research is showing you could do whatever you want. You could have these programs, have these initiatives, have the work flow or, you know, the work be a certain way, the culture be a certain way, yet they're not changing. They're not adapting. Gen mm -hmm. Z I'm speaking of, they're really not, they actually are owning who they are, oh, yeah. embracing all parts. I celebrate them. Mm -hmm. I, I think I was meant to be a Gen Z because me too. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right. Because everyone calls, probably calls you what they call me provocative. You're always yep. like wild and free and yep. doing what you want to do. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's actually freedom to that's me. That's freedom. Yeah. And so when I, when I speak to people leaders and stakeholders and companies, you know, this, and, and it's so interesting you brought this up because it's that whole executive presence thing. Mm -hmm. So Gen Z, younger generations, they are like a hard no to that. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to elevate up. And, and that, that is one of the reasons that they hop from company to company to company and have no problem doing that. Yep. They just want to do great work. They want to be know if they really want to be recognized to be honest mm -hmm. I think they just want to do great work and work with great people yep. and and when I say the word great I don't mean you're an expert you're the best right meaning like you are compassionate you care you are empathetic you're flexible mm -hmm. you're inclusive. innovative mm -hmm. totally inclusive and also like innovative and you're risk-taking they love to take risks and yep. try new things and so the whole thing is with that ex executive presence piece, it is such a way that we compromise our self-worth and the HR leaders, the stakeholders and companies don't even realize because that piece is so baked in to leadership development and succession that I don't know if, if many companies are, are actually break, deconstructing mm -hmm. their leadership programs and their succession programs to see, okay, wait, we have it set up like this and it's always been this way. Maybe mm -hmm. we need to take a look at this rather than trying to force these next generation leaders into these molds. These molds might have been, these molds might've expired. They have. And, the, and there's <laughs> nothing wrong or bad about right. that because hold on to the mold for the people who still fit in the mold. Don't like totally abandon mm -hmm. it because then us folks, us Gen X or baby yep. boomers, we might be You're like, what's like, happening? Yes. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like a phasing in, phasing yeah. out. So it's time. It's it's past time. It is. Because I remember, you know, Simon Sinek, I love his work. I follow mm -hmm. his work. 
And he does a lot of coaching and uh, consulting for stakeholders around this piece with Gen Z. Yeah. How do we inspire them? How do we, you know, create inclusive environments for them? And how do we like, uh, what's the, retain them. Mm-hmm. And this, to me, this is one of the pieces to look at your leadership, your development, your talent development programs, and make sure are they, have they evolved? Are they now fitting and inclusive and inviting and attractive to your younger leaders or your younger talent? And so that's, that's kind of the, the way I look at that, especially through the lens of you know, this work that we do. So the work, even though we we work with leaders, it also with just a few tweaks can go right in and support stakeholders and the people leaders to hold the space, hold the context for the leaders and the talent uh, that are experiencing this and don't have the tools um, and strategies to navigate and coach and regulate themselves through. Because again, these are only moments Mm-hmm. Because if you're a leader in the company or a talented person, you're confident. There's just certain moments or scenarios where you are not confident. So sure. I come off very confident as well. But put me in a party right now, Tana, where I don't know people. <laughs> I, I'm the wallflower. Yeah. Or put me somewhere. Where was I recently? Oh, my high school reunion that I was just telling you. Oh. It was my 30th reunion. And even though like I know all those people, mm-hmm. but the, it was just like, Wow, I thirty years have passed. Yeah, so my confidence—you know—I had a little imposter. You know, I wanted to do my hair and my makeup, so I had a little, Mm -hmm. you know, imposter pop up there. (laughs) And so, one of the tools that um, that I love to share with our clients is to know that there's two types of imposter. There's the common imposter and the toxic imposter. Talk about and when yeah, so the common imposter is what we've been talking about. Like okay. me, oh my God. And and because we usually don't share that. Yeah. So, and the common imposter also in those moments where the, the imposter is out, we choose not to be ourselves. We also mm-hmm. go into conform or we try to fit in instead of just belonging. We know we belong mm-hmm. somewhere here. And then the toxic imposter feels the same way, yet instead of internalizing it or beating myself up, am I good enough, smart enough, experienced enough? I will project that out and take that out on my team or my partner or my children or my neighbors. Mm. I will, I will not hold that pain or that angst. I will take that out on other people. Mm -hmm. So when I hear in the workplace that there's microaggressions Mm -hmm. or there is outright bullying or just your leader or someone on your team is just grinding the heck out of everyone. I generate compassion for that person because I know that is most likely them compromising their self-worth. Something about them does not feel 100%. They're not accepting all parts of who they are and judging themselves. And so instead of feeling that, they project that out. And it's good to know that because we most most of us think, oh, that person's a jerk. I don't want to collaborate with them or I'm going to do whatever it takes just to make that person. It's like you're staying in an unsafe relationship or an unsafe environment or you're sabotaging because you're just choosing not to work with this person or turning in subpar work because this person is quote unquote a jerk. So it's really really powerful and valuable to know the difference and also understand 
nine times out of 10, I would even 99 times out of a hundred, the person probably is not choosing to be this way. It is their way of protecting themselves. And it takes some sort of loving interruption, a kind interruption for them to notice and be aware. And that's why the self-worth advantage, one of the first pieces is self-awareness because you cannot shift anything you're unaware of. Yeah. I mean, that ties into emotional intelligence as well. And that too reminds me of another TV show I watch. I don't know if you watched the morning show on Apple TV. Okay. So the CEO definitely has the toxic imposter syndrome because I saw an episode with his relationship with his mother. And I was like, aha, that's why he is the way he is at the office. Because the way he is at the office is the exact way his mother is with him and has always been Mm -hmm. with him. Yeah. Right. So when he's with her, he's very meek and humble and accommodating mm-hmm. and not forceful at all. And and then he gets into the office and he's the complete opposite. Yeah. And it was just interesting to watch this play out. Although fictional, I was like, I see a lot of people like that. I know. I know a yeah. CEO right now I'm working with. He is the exact same way. And I always say to myself, I wonder what his home life is like. Because in order for him to show up like this and have this reaction from people around him mm-hmm. for all of these years. There's got to be a foundational reason, and it's probably based on his home life, either through childhood or with his wife. Like, there's something going yeah. on where he's not feeling empowered, and so he brings that to the workplace where he's like, "I'm going to exude power. I'm going to beat you yeah. over the head with my power, and I'm going to let everyone know I'm powerful. I want to see you shake when I walk by. I want to see people part the seas when I walk by in the office because that's the reaction I want people to have of my yeah. power. And I'm like, that's not healthy. And it's not good. And they've lost a lot of good talent because of it. Yeah, there you go. And I wonder, I'm curious, has that been reflected back to your client? Has, has, have people shared that with him, their experience of him? And I'm curious, what was his, did he care? Was it? For a moment. He cares for a moment. And I think only because he's a bit of a narcissist and he wants everyone to like him. Got it. And so it hurt his feelings. Yeah, that's a self-worth issue. Yeah, it hurt his feelings to find out that during the exit interview, this is what this person said about why they were leaving, you know, so abruptly or why they, you know, didn't feel there was anything the company could do to keep them. And it always came back to him. And, you know, his first reaction was, you know, his feelings was hurt, then he would get defensive and then he would explain away things, you know, that kind of thing, right? So getting him to drill down into it and just sit in a moment of acceptance has been challenging, right? Because yeah. again, this is where he gets his power. And yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I just, I thought of him when I saw that particular episode and I was like, yeah, I wonder what his home life is like, you know, what was it like for him growing up? I know his mom is, you know, still in his life and she's very domineering. And I think that could be part of it too. Yeah. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And don't you just love some of these shows that oh, yeah. support the unlock? You're like, oh, yeah. there it is. <laughs> Thank you. Apple yep. TV or Netflix. Yep. I appreciate this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I want to ask you one more question. Um, I want to talk to you about, you know, you mentioned it just briefly, but talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging you know, in your client spaces or in the work that you're doing with clients, are they still prioritizing it? Here we are in November, 2023, recording this episode. And we know what it was like over the last, you know, two and a half years. And then getting into this year, things started to pivot. Um, are you seeing that reflected in the work that you're doing or in your clients? Not at all. Hmm. And and maybe because two of the teams, like full teams that I work with are hmm. DEI teams at hmm. Fortune 500. Right. Um, 
But no, I, I don't see that at all. But it's really interesting you say that because we uh, at Evolve, we used to focus directly on a piece of our business was focusing on DNI mm -hmm. or DEI. And we pivoted before the, the big pivot. Oh, yeah. Uh, because the the top three things that because we we do a lot of research our own research and we aggregate research but the top three things that were getting in the way of actually implementing you know people were putting together strategies but actually implementing and executing on the strategy what first was leadership buy-in yep and not from a place of the leader's own it just it, the way they were positioning it, it just wasn't resonating or landing and they weren't tying it into business cases or, mm -hmm. and, or into the second part was we don't know how to measure the mm -hmm. ROI. How, how is, is, is this working? Is it not? What's effective? So they didn't know how to measure. And then the third piece was awesome. I mean, it was interesting to us. They didn't know where to start. Oh yeah. So even though they had this plan, they, they just were like, well, what do we start with? What do we do first? Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of that confusion. That was a lot of imposter coming up because man, back in 2020, I think I heard the word performative more than I ever have oh, in yeah. my entire life, so in my entire life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now mm -hmm. I'm finding myself using it even more, <laughs> but we pivoted based off of that research because we were, we started to understand when you say D, D, E, and I, you might be excluding people right there. Mm -hmm. People might think, oh, that's not for me. That's mm -hmm. for people who need it. So, and then we kind of like tested that out and saw that actually was the case. Um, we had a couple of clients tell us that their white, straight male mm -hmm. uh, uh, employees Employee. just felt like I shouldn't go to that or I can't go to that because that's not for me. That's for women or for minorities mm -hmm. or for LBGTQ. And so we started to see, well, what are the real underlying issues here? What are we looking to solve? And so that's how we started to just shift into change. That's the big thing. People don't understand. I mean, that's what this work is. Yeah. People yeah. don't understand each other. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the back it up, how we got to the self-worth advantage too, because I was like, what, what are we going to call this? And what, what is this? It's your self-worth. So yeah. that in that toxic imposter is what a lot of people are doing to each other, even in their personal lives, Sure. left, right, conservative. It's mm -hmm. like attacking through the toxic imposter. And really it's a case about understanding. That's the key word in yeah. diversity, equity, and inclusion yes. that we saw is the bridge or actually it's the solution. And how do we bridge over to get to understanding? Because before you train anyone on unconscious bias or allyship, we need to understand where you are, what's, mm. your, what's your belief system. And I know in the workplace belief system, oh, we don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> that seems too deep. So we say mindset. Okay. What's your mindset yeah. around this? Like, what are your thoughts, your feelings? Like, where are you starting from? So we can get you on the bridge over here to understanding, because if we do a one size fits all training or program, or we bring a speaker in and they speak one way, we're going to land with a, a percentage yeah. and we're not going to land with all. And so really understanding that, understanding is the key. So we started shifting all of our programs around understanding and really taking it team by team because that was another issue. The company-wide wow. program or approach is challenging, even for our work, for coaching and we don't do company-wide unless oh, yeah. it's a 
unless it's a speaking engagement or just a talk or lunch and learn mm-hmm. something like that team by team, we could actually get somewhere because now we can understand ourselves, and then we can understand each person on our team. And I guarantee if your leader, like whoever his like direct reports were, if he had that moment, first a moment to understand himself. And then if he was willing, because willingness is a yeah. part of this, because you can't force anybody into right. any of this kind of stuff. Cause then they have like resentment. resistance. Yes. Yeah, or like the skepticism gets bigger. Yeah. The cynicism or it's gets performative. <laughs> True. <laughs> I just want to get my certificate that I completed yep. this. <laughs> That's right. And so when we have those moments where we can actually get, and, and the, the first way we do this is through assessments or oh, written, yeah. we, we don't get together and like confront each other. We're like, mm-hmm. I, I need to, under- we just kind no, of like let data. you know. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, we let you be in your space first to just like be reflective, introspective on all of this. And so that's kind of where we are now. Um, but we haven't seen anything. In, in fact, I see, you know, on LinkedIn, just in my personal feed, and I have thousands of people on my feed of all different kinds of companies. Every time there's like a month or something, like I just saw a really big law firm celebrating 15 new promotions in of, you know, diversity promotions. Nice. And it was just a really beautiful video. This And this is like a very internationally big one. I hope they didn't call it diversity promotions. No, 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 no. That's, you know, for our company. You could tell optically, you could tell. Yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. And it was really interesting because- you know, I feel like as the year goes on, as the years go on, there's something else added to our calendar and I'm here for it. Yeah. Yet one of our things also we wanted to support companies with was making sure these things aren't events. They don't just happen in February. They don't just happen mm-hmm. in June. How are we, you know, extracting and, you know, expanding out on what this is so we don't have to like do this big thing every February or every March for women's month. It's like, how do we just be just, yeah. In the DNA. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I don't see a shift. Um, in fact, one of the, one of our clients, they, they're, they have a whole team that's just dedicated to the numbers. So all the programs are out there doing their thing, but they're tracking the numbers and the, you know, what percentage engagement is going up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whatever that may be. So, and I think that is, that's rich. Yeah, I mean, what gets measured matters, right? And that's what people pay attention to. And so you're right, this is like a soft thing, right? It's hard to quantify and qualify it if you don't have the assessments and the data yeah. and the tracking to go behind it. And I think that's really what's going to counter a lot of the resistance as well is the right company, the, the companies doing it the right way of doing that tracking and reporting that back. We're like, well, this is where we were a year ago in terms of productivity level, engagement level, revenues. And because of the efforts that we put in and being very intentional and not performative, the results are X, right? And we're seeing the progress going in the right direction. So I think ultimately this is a change management project. This is change management and cultural transformation work. And at the end of the day, that's what, you know, it it needs to be talked about from that perspective. So people can get a sense of understanding and inclusion because it's, it's for everyone's benefit. Yeah. And that's really, that's one of the areas I think that matters most because yeah. even if we do a great job at, you know, diversity, if people don't feel safe, yeah, included or like they belong once they're there, you just created chaos. Yeah. Created a disaster. So oh. I I always say I 
I prefer we focus on inclusion mm -hmm. and that will support your diversity efforts. That will amplify your diversity efforts because if we if we don't have the forest and we keep planting trees, they're going to die in here. Yep. Yeah. Fertile forest, I should say. Definitely. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Well, Tiffany, this was great. I really appreciate our time together and getting to know more about you and the work that you do and seeing the synergy and what we do as well. I'm looking forward to staying connected, but please Definitely. let people know how they can reach you directly. What's the best way to contact Tiffany Housen? Yeah, so you can reach us at selfworthadvantage.com and uh, I can be found on LinkedIn, Tiffany Hauser. Just search me and you'll see me <laughs> and I'm right there and I'm happy to happy to chat at any moment. Perfect. Well, thank you everyone for listening in to my conversation with Tiffany Hauser. I am Dr. Tana M. Session, again, organizational development strategist, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging thought leader author, speaker, the list goes on, multi-hyphenated. Thank you everyone for joining into another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. Set your alerts, set your alarms, so you'll be notified when the next episode drops. Thanks and goodbye.